Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Chasing Frets. My name is Jason Shadrick. And I'm Andy Ellis, right over here in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, and Neely Brosh is our, is our guest today. And as you heard on on Monday, she's 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 had a considerable amount of, of experience, uh, you know, playing a bunch of different gigs. And uh, today's topic that we're going to talk about is is something that really was has I've always even struggled with personally in my playing, that's ear training. And uh, and I know, Andy, you and you and Neely are both Berkeley grads, as we talk about. Was ear training a topic that they hit back in the day when you were at Berkeley? How did they handle the that? It key disciplines. And when I mean key, mm. I'm not talking about the key of B-flat. I mean, it was, there was no recording at Berkeley at all at the time. There was no songwriting. There was no uh, how to have a career, nothing like that. It was... It was a jazz school, and by golly, you'd better get your ear training together. And it was rugged. And to me, it was, it's always one of those topics that is like eating your vegetables. <laughs> you know, it's it's <laughs> you 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 could find a way to enjoy it, but you just have to keep doing it in order to see the benefits. You know, and and today, Neely uh, gives some pretty good advice about how. Uh, about how she approaches it, what she does, some things she some things she uses in practice. Uh, so that's today's episode. So we're gonna hop right into it, and uh, we'll be back later this week. Everybody, we're back again with Neely Brosh, uh, all the way from the West Coast, and Andy Ellis, and. Today we are going to talk about one of like one of the topics that I always struggled with in college, and that was ear training, mm-hmm. and how because it seems like no matter how much you do, you always feel like obviously you can get better, um, but it's one of those things that it sneaks up on you, you know, as far as when you really need it, and also it sneaks up on you and when you've actually made any kind of progress on it. So, so Neely, tell me a little bit about if a student were to come to you. And they have their technique together, let's say, and but they feel like this the ear training is kind of a missing piece of their puzzle. What are some exercises or things that you would recommend to them uh, um, to work on? Well, to me, to be to be honest, like I've never really been a fan of exercises per se, but for me, the the ear thing, or at least like learning music by ear, was always kind of something that I gravitated towards naturally. So, and and not only that, but I've since put 
so many hours into it. I mean, I think if I had to log the amount of hours that I've practiced over the course of my life thus far, it was probably most of those hours went to, to that, you know, to just figuring out stuff by ear because it was before YouTube and, you know, tabs for, you know, weird instrumental guitar stuff and all that kind of thing. So for, for my students, you know, a lot of the times I kind of start at the beginning of, of that process, you know, it's just kind of trying to figure out some famous melodies or something that's really accessible and something that the student knows really well. I mean, even if it's not famous or just something that's simple and that they know really by heart, like really internally. And then I just kind of try and walk them through the process of how I, you know, listen for the note and and try and match the note on the guitar. And it's like, you know, it's for me, it's never been rocket science. It's literally kind of like, hear the first note and grab that and hear the next note and grab that. And like, however you need to chop up the process or pause it or, or whatever. So that's why I like to, you know, start with, with something that's simple and, you know, hopefully slow, but that's not an issue. You can always use softwares to slow it down. So I kind of try to like go through the process with them and, and, uh, kind of back it up as much as necessary if if it's really like someone at the beginning of their journey and they're having a hard time like matching a single pitch then it's something that we kind of uh we we zoom into just that and and work on that and then graduate up to like okay let's do simple melodies or you know whatever it strikes me too that a unique aspect of ear training on guitar is dealing with the multiple locations of the same pitch that we have on the fretboard. So let's say you play flute, you're thinking of pitch and of course the technique with your embouchure and so on, but you're not generally speaking looking for now which E flat is this and how do I listen for that E flat and where it's going next? Oh, it jumps the string there or no, I'm playing from E flat to G on the same string. We have this amazing maze of, of streams of notes, and you particularly, because you have a seven string, <laughs> you have seven streams of notes. <laughs> Not today, <Okay>. but... <laughs> and, yeah. and it seems to me when we figuratively drop the needle on a song and we're trying to find out what that guitar part is, it's, it's so much more than the pitch and the rhythm. It's like, where... So I was, I was the person who was like the, I was that like bratty kid that was so good at like being like, you know what, let me just recognize the note on the first place that I find it and let me just go from there. And I built myself and I dug myself into so many holes that way. But what I really learned was that, you know, at least past a certain point of technique, the amount of, you know, what is completely unplayable versus playable depending on where you finger it. it it's it's not that make or break most of the time like of course there's things that you have to play a certain way and the you know you have open strings or the technique like you know asks for it and in those cases it's it's more uh specific and you kind of have to dive into that but at least until you get there i've you know encountered so many situations where it's like okay it's not always make or break but a lot of times yeah, you, you can make your life a lot harder. And I was the kid that didn't really care. I was just like, I don't, you know, I could see that I'm all over the neck and that I'm like working way harder, but I really wanted to hear the song. You know, I, I, at that point, I was so impatient that I didn't take the extra 20 minutes to like, you know, examine all the different ways that you could do it and what could actually make my life easier. 
Now, so now as an adult person, I, I you know, I'm more aware of that. <laughs> but like, you know, you you develop your own habits. There's other things that that pop up from doing your own work. You know, you figure out which fingerings work for you, and you know how those you know guitar articulations that are so specific, how they sit within what it has to be or doesn't have to be. You know, so it shows you what has to be exactly as it is, like you're talking about, or what is open to interpretation and whether is my way of doing it easier to me than how they did it or, you know, and now there's so many resources that you can, you can like back your work up to that, you know, even if you're just doing the work for ear training and, it, and you hit a wall, you can then kind of take the cheat sheet and understand like, okay, so here's the technique and then you, you get that aspect of it and you also like gave your ears a, a run for their money today. So I think over time, it's something that's that's built up. And something that I've learned over the years is that, like, at least when it comes to, like, distorted lead electric guitar, like, you start to, to understand the sound of, like, okay, here's the bends and here's the slides and here's the sound of the open string and all these different things that eventually you do build up to the, it has to be played that way. So there's, I remember it was, there's ways it was, around it. You just kind of have to... to be more patient and give yourself the time and which I did not. So like I remember it being like so vivid in my memory when I was listening to a record and I heard a D chord and I didn't recognize it because of the pitches, but I recognized it of the intervals, the sound of that chord. Like when you even whether it's capoed up or whatever, when you play a D chord, an open regular D chord, that chord has a sound to it that if you've been playing guitar, you don't need perfect pitch to to understand it, but you recognize that's the sound of that shape, you know. Exactly. So how how would you approach? We've been talking a lot about single note stuff, but when it comes to harmony and more like in jazz fusion guitar, when you have these all these weird harmonies, can you play and demonstrate maybe a way you would hear uh, uh, a more complex chord and try to kind of work backwards to break that down to figure it out? Yeah. So let's say. Uh, I have a lot of gain on here, but like, let's say it's like just a major seven chord, right? Trying not to like overflow it with gain, but, but if, if you have this chord, for example, right? Like the way that I approach it is I, I'm very connected to, to the voice and, and singing stuff back because I, I feel like whatever pitch I'm hearing in my head, like whatever I am singing, like that's what my thought is, you know, it's like the, the direct connection between like really what you're hearing and, and putting it out. Now, whether your, your chops can hit that note is a, is a different thing, but like you, hopefully you know what the note is that you mean. So for me, it's if I'm hearing a, a full chord, I'm trying to first like pretend that it's a single note to have like one characteristic note or melody note or whatever jumps out to me out of that chord to kind of hold on to and, and be like the starting point to figuring out that chord. So for example, like let's say now do you find that sometimes to do you find that that note that sticks out is sometimes either the top yeah, or the bottom note? It, it can be. It it, it really yeah. depends on what it is. And and I always ask my students too like if they can sing along to something or just describe like really what they're hearing because to me it's like so fascinating that we're all we all hear things differently. We all hear different things jump out and like you're never in somebody else's head. So you don't know how it sounds to them. But to me, it's just whatever jumps out of that situation. I kind of try to start there. So I try to like first match the pitch by being like, okay, I hear. Okay. So that's what I'm hearing. Okay. So let's see. All right. So that's an E, right? So part of it is, is like 
then trying to hear the rest of the notes, like, okay, is there something else that I'm hearing, you know? And then like kind of trying to match it on the, on the guitar and see if, is that an interval that's really in there? Playing it along with it can really help too, because if you have discrepancies, then hopefully you hear that, you know? But, and a lot of it is the theory knowledge too, because when you are hearing just one note on top of it, um, a lot of times it's going to be the root or the third, or even if it's some kind of color tension melody note, you can usually tell that's like, oh, if this is kind of like the flavorful note, then, you know, maybe it's not the root or whatever. So bring in kind of the theory aspect and, and test out different things. And between that and, and the ear training of it, uh, again, it's, it's a practice over years, you know, like, of course, for me, like a lot of times just getting like clusters of chords was a lot more tricky than than single notes but it, it is something that like the other skill you just build up to it and and over time and and again like playing on top of it and hearing that it's wrong like that really helps you know there is a lot of trial and error involved when when you're hearing like 70 percent of it and questioning yourself about the other mm -hmm. 30. Mm -hmm. so for you as you kind of were going through the Berkeley system and even growing up before then where did transcription fit into all this for um, you so as far as like really writing stuff down, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's the kind of thing where I don't do it unless I absolutely have to. So yeah, in school, there were certain situations where, yeah, I had to, uh, to like uh, every, uh, at the end of every semester, we had these tests called proficiencies, which is kind of how you graduate a level up in your, uh, in your guitar, actual like private lessons. And you would have like a, a group of scales and chords and things to study. And then uh, you would have to prepare some sort of piece or solo or something. And you always had to provide a transcription. So if I ever went for something that I liked that didn't have a transcription, after I learned it by ear, I would then have to like write it out. And I hated it because <laughs> I was not good at the softwares. And I was like doing it on paper. And I, I was taking my time because you know how your handwriting is nowadays. And, Oh, I don't miss that. So now I just, you know, I've been using that word transcribing for years, but when I really mean I don't write it down because uh, that's... I mean, to me, to me, transcribing doesn't necessarily mean written. Writing it you out know, on You know, you could transcribe yeah. it in your head and you know it, and, and, and somehow your notation skills and your ear training skills and your technique all kind of converge at a certain point. You know what I mean? And, and also transcribing doesn't necessarily mean a complete solo or whatever. I mean, there's lots, like, same thing when I was in college, like, I always, we had to work on a transcription every semester, and it was always a complete, a complete work, if you will, but now, like, I don't think I've transcribed an entire solo, like, from point A to point Z since college, but I've transcribed a lot of little bits and pieces here, and even some of your stuff on your lessons, transcribed right. that, too. Yeah, well, you remember that. I was like, oh, my God, I have to, I have to, like, write out the transcription. Ugh. Yeah, and that's why you had to correct so many of them. <laughs> not, not as many as you might think. but <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate you, but yeah. So if somebody wants to, uh, what would say are, are the kind of the big things, if somebody wants to work ear training into their kind of solo practice time, uh, what are some things that you'd recommend to students or that you even used in your own practice time when you want to say, okay, I need to take 15 or 20 minutes and work on ear training? So for me, yeah, a big part of it is, just learning stuff that I love to play or love to listen to mostly, you know? And, and again, like that approach of getting really familiar with something before you're learning it for me is, is a really, really big help. So anything that, I mean, it's going to sound super cliche, but anything that like really inspires you to like, I want to play X, 
like go for whatever that is, you know, because to me, that, that was the single thing that made me want to practice the guitar, you know, before I had songs that were very guitar oriented music that made me like really want to try and figure them out. It was never really going to grab me from just taking guitar lessons. So to me, I just I try to go back to the core of that, like excitement and whatever you can approach with that, you're, you're going to have a better time because learning stuff by ear can be really frustrating and you can really like. I had like a, a teacher back in Israel like long, long ago that like said like he had this like very visceral way of putting it where it was, he was like, you're going to puke blood like until you get the right notes because it's just like it really feels like that sometimes, you know, it can be so frustrating. But like there's a great software called Transcribe um, that is just a great to, it's, it's really powerful. It's got a lot of like things that it can do that I, I don't even use or know how to use, but um, but it's such a great tool because even if you're not slowing stuff down, which I, I tend not to, I try not to if I don't absolutely have to, but like, it's, it's just a really helpful tool to working on it because when you're, when you're listening, let's say you're listening to something that has a lot of notes in a short amount of time, sometimes when you're going through it, you might be hearing the right notes and thinking you're in the wrong place in the phrase because it's so easy to lose your spot when you have so many notes at a, sh a short time. So that kind of tool that allows you to like, uh, you know, color over sections that you can loop or just even just, you can really like isolate small pieces of, of you know, where you're at so that you're making sure that you're not just hearing the, the right notes, but not like thinking that you're in the wrong spot. You know, so like little things like that, it's literally, I've, I've told my students so many times, like if you're working with iTunes or something, sometimes it can literally be like a game of how quick you, you can press the space bar to play and pause it so that you're just zeroing, on, zeroing in on the one note that you're missing out of a cluster or something, you know? So just tools to like help that fight are, are huge because a lot of times you can think that you just, you know, learned the wrong stuff when really you, you didn't, you just got lost. It's really easy to get lost. So Sometimes those are the things that can make it uh, frustrating and having a tool that works with that can just make the whole experience like, you know, smoother. So you brought up a very big point that I want to ask you about. Now, I have friends who are on both sides of the fence here when it comes to slowing down stuff. Now, I've slowed down stuff. I've tried not to slow down stuff. But when you're hitting a Guthrie Govan solo, there's, there's going to be a certain point where you're going to be like, I, I have to slow it down, right? To me, it's like, it all depends on your ultimate goal after you transcribe something. Is it for your own just personal enjoyment and, you know, and betterment of yourself in your playing? Or is somebody hiring you to transcribe it? Do you need to teach it to somebody? Do you have to play it on a gig? You know, so what are your thoughts on the slow down versus not slow down fence? For me, it's, it's never really bothered me if if I do it or if somebody else does it, because to me, at least the way that I learn stuff by ear, it's going to be the same exact process. Like it's, it's literally like here, the first note, match the first note, here, the next note, match the, or, you know, clusters of notes. But if you water it down, it's, it's that. And so to me, it's like the tempo of the song is irrelevant because whether it's slow or fast, I'm still doing the same work, you know? So I think you're right. I think there's a point past which, you know, the ear can, can pick up. I mean, Guthrie plays very cleanly, so it's it's clear, you know what I mean? But, like, sometimes you have to slow it down. But even if you slow it down a little bit and it's the exact same thing and it's still fast, I mean, is the is the goal, like, I have to 
learn how to do the hardest licks without slowing them down. Because if, if the goal is just to, to get better and, and use your ear to learn something, or, or like you said, to prepare for a gig and, and you know, time is, is an issue or something like that, it's, I don't feel like they're really shortcuts because you're still doing the same, you're doing the same work. But that's, I mean, that's my opinion. That's what we're here for, Neely. We're here for your opinion. <laughs> I know. I just, you know, I, I you don't want to hate on anything. There's so yeah. many different ways to learn stuff and, and different things that work for others. So, Well, um, I guess speaking of transcription projects, I, I just learned Cliffs of Dover for the first time. And I just, I, I can't, I mean, God, that's so much fun to play. But I realized that like, or as I've been told on the internet, I do not play this where it, I guess it is. So the way, the, the way that my ears figured it out, and I guess here's one of those things where you can play it in different spots and it's still playable, um, but to me it came as... I was told that's not how it is, but I'm going to go with it. So <laughs> it's really hard to swing that to nothing, you know. And and you're talking not how it is as far as position based. Right, 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 right. right. Same 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 pitches. I really tried to like, you know, again, listen for the articulations where where the slides are, the slides forwards or backwards, you know, like my spirit is always to like go as as accurately as possible, but also like, you know, if that means that you're changing the vibrato a little bit because to you it's it's easier to make your best sound come out of it that way it's like again it's as close as possible with making sure that you're playing it as best you can and that's funny because I, when i learned that that melody i learned it like five frets up on the next lower set of strings that's where i learned it at uh, yeah and that's yeah. i hear that a lot that's a, what i heard a lot of this week and i was just like huh and i was and i was just actually i was talking to gretchen men about this and i was just like we were just talking about ex exactly this. And I was like, yeah, you know, I kind of have like my sweet spot, like between like the seventh fret and the, and the 12th or something. And anything that I transcribe, like if it's in the, that register, it kind of falls mm -hmm. here. Friend of, friend of the podcast, Gretchen Men. We can officially say that now. That's right. That uh, she's a, a past guest. So thank you so much, Neely, for uh, no worries. opening you. our minds and our ears to, to this. And now it makes me want to go and play guess that chord or something. <laughs> So uh, hey, it's not as fun as you make it seem. More clips of Dover, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. So stick with us. We'll have Neely back one more time this week, and uh, we'll see you then.